0: Sober Town. Hi, let's jump on that train and ride ride into the wonderful, amazing world of sobriety. I'm here today with Sarah Malloy.
1: And I'm here with Elaine Schuyler-Neal. And we are the
0: sober baddies. Today, I'm so very excited to introduce my friend and former colleague, Tom, who I worked with for about 10 years. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Uh, You're welcome. Thank you.
0: So Tom, Sarah and I are pretty out in our sobriety. And I guess it was about six months ago that I kind of outed myself on social. And one of the things that really struck with me wasn't the people who reached out to me publicly, it was the re- the people who reached out to me privately. And you were one of those people. And you told me something that literally made my jaw drop. You went through something that I imagine was tremendously frightening and kind of one of my worst fears really in terms of things that can happen as a result of drinking. And I was hoping that you could share with us where you are in your sobriety journey and to take us back to wherever feels right as a starting point, sort of through what really became a life or death decision for you.
2: Okay, Um, we'll start with this. Um, I was a happy drinker. I was fun. and charming and witty and sentimental and so nothing bad really happened Mm -hmm. um you know there were no domestic violence or you know i didn't get in fights at parties or anything like that um and um and so you know i liked beer and i liked wine and then i liked liquor Um, and I could tell in retrospect, I could tell that things were, you know, that I was, um, consuming significantly more than I should have and, and starting to feel like I had to do it. Um, but I still didn't get it, you know, um, and in January of, uh, 2020. Um, I was feeling bad and and having nosebleeds and stuff like that, that just wouldn't stop. And, oh um, so went to the the emergency room and they kept me and I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Um, so it was at that time that, you know, everybody said, you have to stop. Wow. And, you know, at first I thought, well, stop meant, you know, cut back and, you know, reasonable amount um but the message was no stop so anyway so i kind of made it through that i had you know one episode where you know I, I i drank one afternoon um and uh you know that was not good and i really let down my wife um with that episode and so anyway fast forward a couple months and i started feeling bad um again and um my blood test uh, all the indicators of of liver problems just went through the roof mm. went back to the hospital um for a couple of weeks and then my primary care doctor says well you know uh if we send you uh for a liver transplant where do you want to go i said what
1: yeah yeah what?
2: I just, you know, I've been sick, you know, what, what's, what's up with that? He goes, no, I think you really need to, you know, to, uh, talk about transplants. And so I went to Tampa general hospital and, um, they reran some tests and that afternoon I was checked into the hospital and, uh, two weeks, uh, I was there, uh, for all these tests, you know, the find out if i was suitable and could sustain a transplant and you never think that uh you would wish for a transplant yeah nobody ever thinks that um you know i suppose unless you've had you know kidney problems for years and years but you know like all of a sudden um you ask the doctor what happens if you don't get one and he tells you you're not gonna live wow i and, mean how
0: how mind how blown was your mind at that point like did yeah you... that's
1: all that's all i want to ask that's what i keep writing is <laughs> how how did you feel what were you thinking
2: i was numb i was just numb i you know i i can't hardly i, re- I remember a lot of it um but you know, scared, but almost too numb to be scared. Wow. Because um, you think this can't be happening to me. I mean, no, that's, you know, I wasn't that kind of drinker.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, was I wasn't say one that. of those guys. I kind of reserve that for the them.
2: Yeah, I'm not exactly. That kind of
1: drinker. That's those. No, guys. yeah. That couldn't no, be. You no, know, I'm. Right. Yeah, talking. I wasn't,
2: you know living under a bridge or anything, you know, yep. and, um, and so, yeah, then at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's odd, like I said, you're hoping, and, uh, you know, I remember now, you know, when, when they confirmed, you know, because you have to go through all these tests, and you, it's this very bizarre process, that you, you actually go, you know, your case goes before this board of doctors, and they decide where you, you do you qualify? And if so, where are you ranked? Um,
1: and can and, you, do you know what those, that's based on? Like.
2: Um, yeah. It's, you know, your overall health. Can you, can you survive it? Uh-huh. Um, You know, are they essentially, you know, investing in somebody who's going to.
0: Ruin live? the new liver. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and how much does that play into a factor if you've if they've determined that you have alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver, do they, do they look at you less favorably? Was right. there any of that in there?
2: No, no, I never felt any of that. Um, and, you know, I credited them for that. There was no judgment, you know, no, you know, none of the many, many, many doctors, um, you know, ever said, uh, you know, you know, it's your fault that you're in here. I mean, right. there was none of that at all. Um, and in fact, I remember, um, when the nurse that was with me, when I found out, um, she actually started crying that I was going to get this liver in in a, in a day or two. Um, so, you know, you go wheeled into surgery and you, you have no idea, you know, what's going to happen. And it was a difficult surgery. They had to stop. Um, Cause I had some, ironically, I was a cancer survivor. So I had surgery for cancer. And so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of issues that they had to sort through. Um, but anyway, my total hospital stay was, um, almost two months. Wow. Now that included like two weeks of physical rehab. I couldn't hardly walk. Um, you know, and counselors um, and, you know, to top it off, it was COVID. So I didn't see my wife for six weeks or anybody.
1: Because you were like in a hospital at the height of COVID.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, the hospital um, had uh, chaplains internally, you know, yeah. employees who were able to visit people, um, you know, patients, you know, because they were pre-cleared and they went through testing and everything. So they were kind of my lifeline. Yeah. Um, um my my phone battery, my phone was um dead. <laughs> it wasn't working the whole time. Um and so anyway it was you know, my wife—it was just so horrible for her. and My mother, and my mother died while I was in the hospital.
0: Oh, and oh, she, sorry her, to hear about that.
2: Yeah. So it, you know, it was traumatic. Um, but you know, you just—I don't know. I think, I think you're just your heart and your soul, and you're just kick in at times like that, and and somehow it lets you cope. Um, but anyway, you know, it, I, I think if there's a message in all this, it's, you know, when you're, when you talk to doctors and stuff and, you know, they say, uh, sounds like you're drinking a little bit too much. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, well, you know, for health reasons, you really should cut back and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think in the back of your mind, what's going to happen? I mean, it can't be that bad, right? I mean,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, I know thousands, you know, I know thousands of people who drink and they drink pretty heavily and you know they're okay and then right all of a sudden it's not okay anymore.
0: Yeah. I've often wondered that what that line is that you cross and how severe it is and you know or how quickly it happens because there are times that I have to go for my, you know, routine blood work and when I get them back I'd be like so my liver was okay really? You know, like almost in disbelief, like, wow, my liver must be a champ, but then I'm 44. And I wonder if I had kept going at that level, would there be a time where my liver would just be like, you're done? You know, like how, what's the resiliency of these precious organs that we have in our, in our bodies and the liver is already such a workhorse for so many other toxins in our environment, etc.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, um the organs will take a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they take a lot. And um but you know like everything it it's there's a there's a giving point and um you know and and it's and it's fast and you know there's there's in a severe case like mine there's no return. You know, wow. there's, there's not so
1: did you were you like going through any type of like physical alcohol withdrawal because when you tell your story you talk about how they told you it was dire we got to get you to the hospital here we go you know that happened really quickly and all of us over here like we quit drinking and we're like dealing with it day to day and sometimes i feel you didn't really have time to do any of that so
2: can
1: you talk about how that process was for you like giving up on your best friend alcohol?
2: Yeah. Um my recollection is that the first time I was in the hospital that they gave me some um some medicine, some anti-withdrawal kinds of things. Um you know, I can't tell you what they were, you know. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and then I I think it was just, you know, being in the hospital environment and I mean, you couldn't you know, well, it wasn't like, you you know, reach for, get up and, oh, you know, I'm really tempted to have something right now. I mean, you know, temptation was gone.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and so I think that makes a big, made a big difference. Um, and I'm sure they were, you know, giving me, you know, different drugs, Mm. you know, before, and I was, you know, heavily sedated after the surgery for you know for weeks um so i suppose if there's a you know any kind of silver lining in that part of it it's just you didn't have a i didn't have a choice and and you know a lot of other chugs were involved and (laughs) okay yeah so you were kind
1: of like medically assisted through that withdrawal and initial stages of sobriety Yeah. yeah
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I came home, I mean, he, one thing about, you know, I think about the pandemic is I really, you know, I couldn't go out, you know, it wasn't like, you know, all my buddies were saying, Hey, you know, let's go, uh, let's go to baseball games and, you know, stuff like that. When you got just triggers everywhere, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, being a baseball fan and not drinking is not easy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Beer
2: beer here, I mean, you know, every 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, that was probably good that I was at home um, most of the time, you know, actually for quite some time. And um, so that, you know, that helped a lot. Yep. Yeah. I got
1: sober during the COVID too. And it was nice to be able to be at home and alone and with my family and surrounding myself with the things that matter most and, you know, not being invited to barbecues and parties and weddings and bars.
0: I know. That's what I think too. Like people say, oh, it's so, we we deserve a medal for getting sober during the pandemic. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's also kind of easier, isn't it? Because we don't have all the social gatherings and things and we don't even want to be out as much so there's all that that kind of our favor but you know tom i was going to ask you since you're since you associated alcohol with happiness and you were a happy drinker was Mm -hmm. there a sense of loss then of happiness even though you had to go through all this and you just had to kind of adjust to what the doctors were telling you what was the happiness or loss thereof in your mind what you know were you worried about happiness at that point or are you just thinking I just want to live
2: all of the above Mm -hmm. um I used to really like to cook cooking is not that much fun anymore yeah um I mean I still do it but you know wine and cooking go together Mm -hmm. And, and uh you know wine and food good food go together um so yeah i you know i had these thoughts i mean i in the back of my mind well in the front of my mind i knew i couldn't restart um but you know it 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 does yeah you you think yeah we'll just never have that You worry, thinking, yeah, I'll never have that sense of sitting around with the guys, um, you know, and knocking back maybe a couple too many beers, but, you know, just inhibitions are gone. You're having, you're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, yeah, you think about that on occasion, although my friends have all been really good, Uh, you know, I mean. I've never had any friends say, hey, you know, let's go have a couple and your wife will never know or, you know, it it won't hurt. They've all been really good about that. Um,
0: I was wondering that because you kind of made it sound like when we spoke privately that you had kept it kind of under wraps and I understand that fully. What was that choice like for you? Um, I'm, I'm wondering.
2: You know, my close... You know my closest friends and family knew um but that was about it um you know and and part of the reason was particularly during the hospitalization is you know people can be so are are very kind and very concerned but you know between texts and phone calls and everything you know my wife finally kind of had to put a lid on things and you know say you know i can't talk to everybody you know every night and it seems kind yeah, of has
1: been all over time giving everybody the update
2: that's yeah
1: exhausting for her
2: it was it and was people
1: are reaching out because they want to show that they care but that's because they want to show that they it's kind right. of for them sort of almost.
2: yeah so it's it's you know there's there's that angle and and i'll you know i'll be honest i mean i i'm actually kind of surprised i'm doing this um you know, nobody likes feeling that they brought this kind of thing on themselves. Yeah, and nobody likes admitting that they're addicted, that they were addicted to something. I mean, that's it sucks.
1: Yeah, <sighs> truly. Yeah. yeah, we know. You, Welcome. You know,
2: so yeah, so there's that part of it, and 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 for me, there was extreme guilt. I mean, I put my family and friends and you know, my mother through that, I mean, (laughs) that's hard for sure. What kinds
0: of things are you doing to reconcile that guilt now? Or, you know,
2: um, I pray a lot about, about it. Um, and that's helped. Um, you know, and I just, I, I just try to, keep going with it you know it's you know i haven't done aa and that kind of stuff
1: yeah that was my next question is have you like kind of dove delved into like sobriety and like the recovery space and like some of the books about you know reclaiming yourself after you've kicked the addiction
2: yeah no i haven't um I've, I've had a circle of, uh, friends and confidants who have helped me immensely. Um, Mm -hmm. a couple priests who've been through this, um, uh, you know, alcohol is hard on, on religious leaders, Mm -hmm. um, and life is hard on religious leaders. Yes. Um, But, you know, a family member, two family members, actually, one older and one younger, younger. Um, And, you know, a couple of people I really didn't know that well who reached out. And uh, one guy uh, who probably said the smartest or the most relevant thing to me. And when I just asked him why he stopped drinking and his reply was because I couldn't stop drinking
0: yeah (laughs) boom
2: okay i i I get that um so you know i'm sure you know i've i've had people say you know you should do meetings and you know and i I understand that maybe i'm making a mistake Um, but it's you know it's it's worked for me so far
0: oh yeah, there's so many different, one of the best things I've learned, I feel like throughout this is there's so many ways to get sober. I was terrified of AA. I was like, if that's it, man, I don't know if I can do it, you know? And yeah. I just, I just didn't, I I didn't like the, the um, having to like identify moral defects because I started feeling, I started recognizing that it wasn't all my fault because there's so much marketing and social proof and things that, and I want to ask you about this too, about workplace culture, like, um, because in um, our industry, there was a trem- tremendous amount of workplace culture drinking, I think, that really influenced me early on. And I'm wondering what kinds of things for you played into that. Like, was workplace culture as one example, a, a driver of your drinking early on?
2: Yeah, Um, workplace, college was ridiculous and, um, you know, I think in retrospect and actually I I had thought this before, you know, my crises, but, you know, I mean, I went to college in the late seventies, so, you know, everything was pretty crazy. (laughs) Um, but I pulled out, I actually kept, uh, I had my senior yearbook mean I don't know why, And I went back and looked at it and it was, I was just astounded about all the pictures with alcohol and, and I mean, just astounded. And I was there, you know,
1: totally normalized Yeah, badge of honor even now. Yeah.
2: And, um, you know, it's funny. I actually, I grew up in Florida and, and so we didn't drink. I mean, maybe we drank once or twice in high school and that was it. I played sports and to be honest it's not easy to be a drinker and play sports in Florida it's just so hot
0: right you
2: <laughs> know and and uh it's not easy but, to do but,
0: anything in Florida
2: yeah no it's not you know and i mean it's easy to drink beer in the afternoon by your pool i mean that's very easy yeah yeah very desirable actually um but i went to, the, to college in Wisconsin and you know Wisconsin's a you know, it's a beer state and it's a drinking state. And I, I was a bartender actually for a the while. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the,
0: Tom's always been a cool guy.
2: <laughs> are your buddies like you and the girls, the, you know, the yeah. chicks did this. So
1: yeah, you're, you're the life of the party.
2: Yeah. So, but the, the, the tradition up there are quite often, particularly for the afternoon guys is, you know, uh, around the shots from me, my buddies, and one for the bartender. And if you didn't drink it, they were, you know, they'd stiff you <laughs> with mm-hmm. the tip, you know. Um, so, you know, that that in retrospect was, was significant. And then, Elaine, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, the drinking culture in newsrooms, you know, was, you know, borderline notorious
0: yeah um capital n
2: yeah (laughs) and actually i mean i i had uh, you know superiors who had you know a bottle in their in their desk
0: yeah um
2: and and so you know that contributed as well i think but you know those are excuses i suppose in retrospect but you know it's it's everywhere. And and like you've said, Elaine, I mean, a culture, you know, once you stop, you just, oh my God, it's everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and-
0: I kind of, I kind of have to like say, I mean, I think I also have had to struggle through tremendous guilt around this because that's really a lot of what you feel at first, because alcohol has a way of stripping you down and shrinking you down and making you feel small and, and unworthy in so many ways. And, um, that's part of what I feel like I'm trying the most is to reclaim my sense of, um, self, but also kind of disregard my own personal liability. Yeah. I put it in my mouth, but there's so it's, it's like, it's so normalized and okay until you can't handle it. Huh? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's embarrassing. It's shameful to say, I can't do this anymore, but if everyone's drinking, they're fine. They don't have a problem, but you quit. So I know,
0: right. When you decide to remove that from your life, now, all of a sudden you have a problem. Whereas the person who can't, who's gotten their third DUI, they don't have a problem. It's so weird to me. And, um, I'm trying to let some of these things go about, what I can control and what I can't control and just be okay with knowing that this is a substance that no longer agrees with me, you know? And, um, I just wonder, yeah, I, I do think that, that, I mean, every, a lot of, um, professions have workplace culture drinking prevalence (laughs) to be sure. sure. But, um, I know that in Tom and mine's case, there was a lot of just, um, almost uh trauma involved with covering things and and reporting on the news and it's just a lot to absorb and i think there was this overall feeling of like um you know well this is how we cope you know and it was very accepted and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that made me normalize it even further than it's already normalized in my mind does that feel similar to what some of the things you went through
2: oh definitely and um know where where we worked as well you know and later in my career when i was you know had a title um you know the the gala and circuit you know is its own industry yeah and you know you could find yourself going to events a couple times a week you know, in every event, you know, stamped on the invitation is, you know, six o'clock cocktails and, you know, seven o'clock dinner and with wine service. And, and so even, there. you know, if you're, if you're going to places that, uh, where they're trying to do good or, you know, charitable events, it's, it's there, you know,
1: yeah. Oh, it's everywhere.
0: You know, you bring up a good point that I had in my mind that I wanted to ask you about too, because Sarah, so. Tom you're kind of a, a a prominent figure in where in the town where you live i would say and um sarah her her dad was a mayor you know mm-hmm. of a town and so there was a lot of and her dad struggled with drinking and and there's a lot of um that's a whole different perspective i think when you're someone in a community and you're looked up to did you feel any sense of obligation to your status in the community and who you were and how, how did you think about that? Or was that an issue?
2: It was, it was an issue, probably a minor one, but I think it got, it became more relevant afterwards, you know, when people were finding, you know, people found out, you know, what had happened to me. Um,
0: Yeah, journalists can't keep their mouth shut, can they?
2: No, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Don't tell anyone, okay, I'm going to tell 10 other people. And they're going to tell 10 other people.
2: I remember that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was more like an after-the-fact feeling for me as as more people found out. um, It's like, oh, they know my secret. They know, you know, that it must have been pretty bad hmm or no, no you know it wasn't that bad that's what i keep going back to for me is you know it wasn't that bad i was functional yeah um
1: like can and, you tell and, us how much you were drinking can you talk about like your day like throughout the day how a day how a typical day would go
2: i'm still kind of holding back on some of that
1: absolutely yeah.
2: Um, but, uh, I liked a glass of wine or two at lunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, like the beer on the way home. Yeah. Like some wine when I got home. Martini or two.
0: Yeah. Or more. Yeah. And that's, that, that sounds pretty consistent (laughs) with. what I was doing. I had all sorts of sneaky acts. I was taking road sodas. I was uh just all sorts of things, all sorts of things.
2: You know, and and, you know, weekends are you know, you could have a few beers by the pool and then take a nap and wake up and start again. A
0: few more. Yeah. But the point is you weren't you weren't doing anything that you thought, okay, this is gonna land me in the gutter because truthfully, when we go out to breakfast, even especially around Denver, which is a very hipstery drink forward culture, you know, they got a cocktail list as long as the eggs and the other stuff, you know, and it's, it's kind of like there's, you know, you go to an ice cream shop, they've got booze shakes, you go to yoga, they've got champagne, you know, it's everywhere. It is literally permeated into every facet, the hair salon, you name it. And so it's like we're being told that drinking and drinking is becoming so integrated into every facet of our lives. And, you know, so it's 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 it feels fine to do at lunch now because that's just it's like, especially if you love, food, you know, especially around where we used to live. There's amazing food and every and there's the island time thing kind of because yeah. we live in a very we lived in a very vacation forward destination. So everybody's on vacation. Um, I yeah. felt like that influenced me where we lived. Did you ever feel that way about that, that area?
2: Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, you know, because you could, uh, you know, you, you, there's nothing like drinking at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like knocking back beers at the baseball at spring training.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's good
1: yeah um Um, for me alcohol was my best friend it was i couldn't imagine my life without it and i couldn't imagine any fun or fancy event without it um and it was it was hard elaine and i i think that they call it spontaneous sobriety where we kind of just said i think this is a problem i'm gonna try to tackle it i gotta quit drinking because i can't quit drinking and we we just sort of you know we quit and we found joy have you it sounds like you are this is like such a complicated question you have a lot of like healing still you know physically you know and emotionally and and even maybe even spiritually but have you begun to find joy on this side
2: oh yeah yeah um One, I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's literally, it's good to be alive. Yeah. It's not, you know, oh, I've lost weight or, you know, I'm doing better at work.
1: Yeah. It's,
2: you know, it's, I'm alive. Yeah. (laughs) So you start there and, um, and so, yes, I've been able to, you know, find joy. I mean, I did spring training this year. Um, safely spaced from other people um, and made it through that enjoyed it yeah. um, you know I've uh, done some traveling you know with my grandsons, uh, and you know and that's been good um, you know my wife and I uh, you know we still laugh uh, together and you know do things together Um, and so that's good. And, and partially there's a relief. I mean, you don't have to worry about who's going to drive home.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: It it seems like a small thing, but it's really not. Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, I've been able to do things. I, um, uh, my church has a, a Facebook page and we do, uh, some of us share reading evening prayer together once a week. And, um, you know, that's, um, uh, joyful. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to send the, send the message that I'm not happy because I am. Yeah. Um, well, I think you're,
1: I, you're recovering, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know many people who have stopped drinking who have said, um, boy, I I quit drinking because it really sucked and I never had a good time. Mm -hmm. I just haven't met that many people. Now, I know there are some, Mm -hmm. you know, that made them put them in a very dark place. But most of the people I've known who who drank and stopped, um, you know, they enjoyed that experience to a point until it got. Excessive, yeah, you know, so I, you know, I think that you know that's one thing that actually gives me a little solace, and that you know it wasn't always that I was doing stuff that made me miserable, yeah, Um, you know. I mean,
0: and you have about a year and a half now, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. awesome, congratulations as well, yeah, and I want to ask because, um. I think I know the answer to this, but well, how I want to hear more, um, how important was faith to you in this process? Because it sounds like it was,
2: it was, um, retiring gave me some more time, um, to think about, you know, things, um, and to be a little bit more prayerful in my life, um, you know spirituality is i think you know like almost everything else it's 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 like exercise it's like yeah. eating right you have to do it and make time for it it just doesn't i mean i've known a few people who were just spirit so spiritual that you know they'll be standing in, in the line at the grocery and have this aha moment or you know yeah exactly <laughs> Go well,
0: ahead, sir, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, there's
2: not many people like that. There are not many people like that. I don't, I haven't found. And so it takes some sort of commitment um, and, and time. And you have to make the time, of course. But um, so that's helped. And um, in the hospital, you certainly find yourself uh, with time on your hands. Um, and uh you know begging i've not begged for much um in my life but i was begging Uh yeah um you know i still do um you know help me to stay on the right track and and um you know and overcome so uh yeah it it's meant a lot and i've by and large you know I've found that the people who've been successful have some sort of spiritual angle or some s- sort of spiritual support
0: mm-hmm. in their
2: lives, whether it's you know through an organized religion or, or not mm-hmm. um, but um you know in this while I've been doing, you know, some of the things I'm, I'm on this board of, um, a small organization that houses, um, provides housing for mentally ill, chronically homeless people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, and, and part of that to me is, is a social, um, good, but also it's, it's part of the, you know, doing unto the least of us and, and loving our neighbors. And so that's been rewarding and, um, yeah. to me and helpful, uh, cause you yeah. know, you, you, you talk with some of these, some of these folks and you see them and you go, you know, uh, you yeah, know, they've got problems. I, 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 even where I'm at right now, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
0: I have tremendous empathy for all homeless individuals. And even when I, um, spent time in homeless communities, I could almost see myself in some of them because I identified my drinking struggles even then. And some of them were next level. And I actually had wondered to myself, could I ever get there? Like, would that, what would it take for me to end up like that? And it, you know, and, but even still, because as you point out, most of the experiences, um, are joyful until they're not. And, and, um, even seeing those people and wondering if I could ever evolve or devolve to that level, um, didn't scare me enough to stop. (laughs) So, um, I'm wondering what, since there will be some people listening to this who are in early sobriety and early recovery, what kinds of insights you might be able to share for them, um, Mm. Regarding either early recovery or not avoiding those (laughs) blood tests or whatever.
2: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the first thing from my experience is, um, that you can be doing just fine or think that you're doing just fine and you're not, um, you know, that's my biggest takeaway because I thought I was doing fine and I wasn't, yeah. and then it came crashing down. Uh, so, y- you know, it's, it's real, you know, when the doctors tell you, you know, Hey, this is bad for your health. They're not kidding. You know, it's not like, you know, eat, eat uh, whole wheat cereal and then they change their mind or, you know, with egg yolks were bad for your cholesterol. And now they're good for you. And, right. This is no, this is, this is not good for you. So, did you ever have
1: a time where you thought I should cut back?
2: Oh, yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah, many times. Okay, many times.
1: And you felt like you just couldn't.
2: Couldn't, didn't want to. Yeah. The latter was probably um, the controlling reason that I really just didn't want to.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's you know it's programmed into our minds with all the advertising and the media and everything. It's it's programmed to be this thing that gives us happiness and beauty and help us feel adventurous and exotic and right.
2: you know and and deep, particularly deep in the
1: back of our minds is what
2: yeah, we have uh, yeah wow. and I think particularly like maybe my generation where you know we I mean I'm sixty I'll be sixty three later this month and. Um, you know, we grew up with cigarettes and, you know, that everybody was smoking, you know, you're, and then, oh, you know, the surgeon general comes out, you know, says these are bad for your health. And all of a sudden we had this, this habit, this addiction that, that you would see and you go, well, that's dumb because everybody knows that that can cause cancer. And that can or that can kill you. And we're not there with alcohol yet.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: there's a little warning for pregnant women and you know. Yep. But but we're not there in terms of, yeah, this stuff consumed in excess can kill yours can kill you.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: That message is not delivered.
1: Well, and even if it's not consumed in excess, eventually it will be. If you think, oh, I'm just a responsible drinker. I just drink two glasses a night. It's like, yeah, but in five years, you're going to drink three glasses a night. Yeah. And on and on and on. It, so, it's still aggressive. Yeah. So has that
0: changed your perspective then that this should be, that this is something that can, can harm you? Um, has that shifted your perspective? I, I'm wondering. Oh, definitely.
2: Definitely. And. you know, it's made me more sensitive, you know, to the advertising and, mm-hmm. you know, and even things like, you know, you go to a, uh, I'll go back to my ball game references. You, you know, you go back to a ball, you go to a ball game and now, you know, there's, there's t- 30 different kinds of beers. Uh, it, When I went to the last time I was at Tropicana Field where the Braves play, um, no, no alcohol beers, none that I could find. Great.
1: Yeah. Um, but when you're not holding the beer, you can clap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There's all kinds of society. Um, right.
2: Yeah, that's I hadn't thought of that, but now now I do. Um, you know, but I I think that's telling right there. Okay, that you've got all this, and so what am I going to drink while I'm there? Well, I can I can pay six bucks for a bottle of water. Uh-huh. and that pisses me off right <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah especially and, in florida
0: yeah, you yeah need water
2: yeah or you know uh you you can buy a, a soda which i just don't like uh-huh. i i, I, I haven't like i've not liked sodas since i was 14 you know
1: yeah.
2: um and and then you know at the ballpark they put up the you know oh don't drink and drive have the sober you know, driver in your party. Well, maybe, you know, I'd like to have a NA beer with my friends, but you don't have any. Mm -hmm. I mean, really? I mean, um, but I do notice that, that the no alcohol products are seem to be um, increasing in distribution and availability and quality. Um, which I think is a good thing. And and I my guess is we're gonna see a lot more of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you um do you enjoy them?
2: The good ones. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I do. And there are I just
0: asked because there are some sober folks who won't even look at it. They they think I Sarah and I both do. We both love kombucha and some other things. Um, I think, right, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And um and we have no alcoholic
1: beer for sure.
0: Yeah, and we have uh, alcohol-free kombuchas out here, um, in brewing land, <laughs> Colorado, but, um, I'm not a big fan of the beer ever. Anyway, I've never tried the NA wines, but some people won't even touch them because they're afraid that it might trigger them. Do they, are they triggering it all for you?
2: They haven't been. In fact, they're nice. Yeah. It's nice relief. I mean, you can only drink so much sparkling water in a day, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> That's my other question is do you ever get? Does the sometimes in, in our community we talk about the addict voice that's this little addict that kind of lives in your brain that kind of calls to you and says, It's okay, you can just have one. You've quit for a whole year. Go ahead, you're good. You just you never is
0: good now. You got a whole new you liver. Got the whole yeah, new that's probably what my
1: call back. Does it ever call out to you?
2: Um, not that way. No. Um, do I? My wife and I are going out um, for our anniversary dinner in, a, in about a week or two. Thirty-two years.
0: Congratulations! And
2: um, thank you. You know, and I would, you know, sometimes I go, man, boy, a, a nice glass of red wine would really be good. hmm But it's not like you know, I'm not at the, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm not getting that little voice. Yeah. Saying, come on you know come on you can like you know the little devil on my shoulder
1: yeah yeah
2: i'm not having that um so that's good i think yeah
1: (laughs) and is there like for for me personally like the gifts of sobriety i have young children i have a two-year-old and an eight-year-old and my marriage and my kids and my work and waking up sober every morning you know smelling the flowers just really owning myself being comfortable inside my own skin it really like keeps me sober that's i focus on the good that sobriety brings as opposed to like the bad that because drinking did bring me you know some depression and stuff like what would you say like keeps you sober
2: um i don't want to disappoint my wife and family and friends that's that's number one
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and I don't want to take them back down that road of yeah you know is is Tom gonna make it or not yeah, so that's the most compelling um, you nothing know, than that you know I think it's just finding ways you know to um to recapture um, those things in life that, you know, I enjoy doing while drinking. Um, and, and like I said, I've been there. I mean, I've, you know, I've gone to some baseball games and, you know, done some things like that. My wife and I have gone out to dinner a few times.
1: Barbecuing.
2: Yeah, you know, things like that um, have, have, have been good. And, and um, so that's, you know, really helpful. And, you know, a friend of mine said something, uh, actually somebody else who stopped drinking is in the restaurant industry. So that's a,
0: you know, that's worse Uh than
2: being in journalism. I
1: mean,
2: Uh um, you know, one thing he said was that it was a relief not having to worry if there was enough wine in the refrigerator when he got home.
0: That's so true. Uh, Or ever having to stand in the liquor store line again, that's my big one, because that was such a depressing feeling, wanting to quit, and then ending up back in the liquor store line again to buy my precious Chardonnay, like the next day. It was just a very defeating cycle.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but yeah, so that's, you know, those have been the things, and, and, you know, there's a certain amount of um loyalty to the donor and his family
1: cool
2: um you know when uh when i they told me i was gonna get a somebody's specific liver and uh when the the nurse said uh you know that's a very profound gift yes yeah. I, I was thinking well you know the the guy's dead uh-huh. i mean he didn't do it and that sounds crass i know but you know weird things go through your okay, mind to
1: be, yeah this is safe space. Um,
2: but then you know i think well you know but his his parents made a decision yeah that he should live on yeah and uh you know so i owe it to them
0: cool did you ever meet them
2: i didn't you know they have a protocol where you can you write a letter that's not very descriptive i see and you send it to the transplant folks and then they forward it on and so i've never heard back so apparently some people hear back and and the survivors want to engage and quite frequently they don't you know which is certainly understandable right but um But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think I've got like a, I think the guy was in his mid or something. So I've got a young, I've got a young liver. Wow.
1: You know, I I mean, I I want to say a quote that someone just told me that I think you've probably heard Elaine and it's, um, we only get two lives and your second one starts when you realize you only have one.
0: hmm. Wow. That's good. I haven't heard that. I, for one, am certainly glad for the donor and for you still being around because, you know, you were always such a kind person to me and a great colleague to work with. But, you know, you were one of those people who just had so many things going on in the community and so many roles that you played and so many contributions. And that's just my little part of it. I'm sure your family is. Is very happy that you're still with us. And thank you so much for your time as well. You've been so generous with your time. And we we really appreciate it. I know this Um, was a on the fence choice for you to share your story, but I really do think that it will help others who are really struggling and and might be not sure whether whether they should keep drinking or keep going in sobriety. All the little pieces that keep us going, they 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 save lives.
1: You're bringing light. You're you're bringing light when you when you break out of that fear and even shame. Like you're bring you brought light to our whole community, and there's someone's life that you're gonna touch.
2: Thank
0: you. I hope so. Thank you.